During Lent, we looked at the Beatitudes, the words from the hill. So we thought for Good Friday, we'd look at Jesus' words from the cross. Dying words are always important, aren't they? And Jesus didn't give a long sermon from the cross, for he had seven short sayings that were full of significance. You know, we can read the Bible sometimes and we read it very matter of fact, but we should remember that when Jesus spoke these words, he was nailed to the cross. It was so painful, every breath hurt, let alone every word. He paid a price for each word that he spoke, so these sayings must be important. So the first saying is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Here we see Jesus' love for his enemies, the Romans and those crucifying him. This innocent man had been put on trial. He'd been mocked. He'd been given a crown of thorns. He'd had to carry his cross through the jeering crowds who were calling for him to be crucified in place of a murderer. And then he was nailed to the cross and he was lifted up in great agony. In all of this suffering, he didn't lose his faith in his father, God. Through love for those that he came to die for, he forgot himself and prayed for those who were hurting him. He taught, hadn't he? Love your enemies, bless, do good, pray for those who persecute you. Now he put it into practice in the most extreme circumstances. What love, what love to ask his father to forgive those who had turned against him and those who caused him such great pain. This was unconditional forgiveness. And what a perfect example for us of how to treat those who wrong us. They bound his physical body, didn't they? But his faith and his prayers could not be bound. He prayed that the Roman soldiers, his executioners, would be saved. And when the centurion and those guarding him saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they feared greatly. You know, it shows us that it's never to disregard anyone as beyond the reach of God. Our prayers are powerful. Our prayers work even beyond our death. Now, our movements are restricted at the moment, aren't we? And we may feel that we're stuck at home and we don't have the opportunities to share the good news and the gospel. Well, we can pray because the cross shows that our prayers are never useless. Our prayers are powerful. So the first salvation blessing is forgiveness. Jesus spoke these words to show that forgiveness flows from the cross. Meeting our first need, forgiveness. As he hung there, blood pouring from his wounds, he prayed that forgiveness would flow to all who would receive it. The second saying, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The focus now turns to the two thieves being crucified with Jesus. One of them blasphemed him, the other one turned and said, don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus immediate response was the promise of eternal life in God's kingdom we see Jesus's love for the whole world especially those who believe in him and Jesus dying between these two thieves is a picture of him coming into sinful humanity identifying with us suffering our death bearing the punishment that we deserve. Even though he was innocent, he did it to give us a new life, an eternal future in his kingdom. Both of these saw Jesus dying for their sins. One believed and received the promise of eternal life. The other rejected and died in his sins. 
This believing thief shows us true conversion. When we call on the name of Jesus in faith, he answers us. He answers at once. Jesus is still willing and able to save all who come to him. The robber's hands were tied at the time, weren't they? He was bound to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. And yet he received salvation. It's nothing to do with our efforts. He represents all of those who believe and call on Christ in their helplessness. They will receive the promise of paradise. So the second salvation blessing thrown from the cross for those who believe is eternal life in God's kingdom with a restored relationship and fellowship with God. Eternal life is knowing God. An eternal union and fellowship with God and what a blessing it is to be in fellowship with Jesus. The third saying, woman, here is your son. And then he said to John, here is your mother. When Jesus saw his mother standing nearby John, the disciple whom he loved, Jesus' love transcended his pain. He wasn't selfish, he wasn't self-picking, but he reached out to meet their needs. He was concerned that his mother would be cared for. And this saying reveals his love for his family. Even under the pressure of being the saviour of the world, he still had time for his family, their needs and their hurts. You know, we should never get so busy for God that we stop caring for our family and honouring our parents. Jesus knows our hurts and he provides healing. Jesus brought John to Mary to take care of her. He chose the disciple he knew would best care for and love Mary as his own mother. He provided Mary with the relationship that would comfort her in her time of loss and loneliness. So the third spiritual blessing is healing of the heart and spiritual family. Jesus spoke these words from the cross to show that from the cross flows healing for the broken heart, restoration and the creation of good relationships, meeting that human need for friendship and family, the antidote for loneliness. If we draw close to the cross like Mary did, he will bring us into close family relations with other believers so that we can serve him together. John and Mary weren't related biologically, but in God's family, they became mother and son. This spiritual family is even greater than the natural family. What Jesus did for Mary, he wants to do for all. He understands, he's sensitive to our needs. He knows our hurts and our pains. He knows what we go through and he wants to care and provide for us also. The fourth saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the fourth and central saying. It reveals the heart of his mission and his work on the cross. Christ is God, but he's also man. He speaks here from his humanity. Notice he uses God rather than Father for the first, like he did in the first saying, because he'd lost that intimate fellowship. In all the physical, emotional, and mental torment up until now, Jesus hadn't really shout, cried out. But then at midday, when the sun was overhead, darkness suddenly fell and something happened to make him cry out. In that moment, the sins of the world were placed upon him and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit turned their backs. Jesus had lived a perfect, holy life. He'd hated sin, he'd committed no sin, but now the sin of the world was placed upon him and Jesus took our place. He bore our sins. He suffered the punishment that we deserved. The punishment with justice demanded. He died as a sin offering and paid the price for our sin. The wrath, the judgment of God that we deserve fell upon him. He lived in fellowship and in the presence of God his whole life. But now for the first time he was in darkness. He was separated from God's presence and blessing. The full force of God's righteousness and holy anger fell on him. We can't imagine the horror that he had to suffer. 
Even the anticipation of this in Gethsemane caused him to sweat blood and ask God, is there no other way? But there was no other way. And we should be so glad that he did it for us. If he hadn't paid the penalty for our sin, there's no way that we could pay it ourselves. This is perfect love for us. The fourth salvation blessing is propitiation. The basis for every blessing indeed. It's only because of Christ's atoning sacrifice that we can freely receive forgiveness and grace. We needed someone to take our place, to bear the punishment for our sin, to set us free. And Jesus did that. Jesus spoke these words showing that he was bearing our spiritual death and separation from God on the cross in order that we could be reunited with God and receive his eternal and abundant life. Jesus bore the sin of the whole world so that forgiveness and salvation is available to all. To the believer, the propitiatory sacrifice of Christ is the basis for receiving all of God's grace. It results in a life of gratitude towards God. Live to please and glorify him. The fifth saying, I am thirsty. Only this saying focuses on Jesus himself and his need, not just for physical water, but for spiritual water, the water of life. On the cross, Jesus identified with us and bore our sin, and he was cut off from God and his own life. This broken relationship resulted in me experiencing spiritual drought. He became thirsty for the living water of God. In the fourth saying, we saw him bear God's punishment for our sin. In the fifth saying, we see him bearing, see that in bearing our sin, sorry, he also took the consequences of it. We were made to have God's life and blessing flowing through us. The effect of sin is that we dry up on the inside. God's life isn't flowing anymore. We feel dry and empty. We might try and fill it with different things, some good, some bad, something to quench that thirst, but none of them truly satisfy because it's a spiritual need that only God can. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. The fifth salvation and blessing flowing from the cross is abundant life. In saying, I thirst, Jesus showed he understood spiritual dryness and emptiness. He felt the effects of sin. Whatever need or emptiness we may feel, we can be sure that Jesus experienced it and worse on the cross so that we can be filled what he did was redemptive to give us life he bore our sin it affects the separation from true life the cross saw a divine exchange he was made thirsty so that our thirst would be satisfied but salvation is not just forgiveness is it forgiveness is just the start it enables us to receive that new life from god that fills that transforms our whole being and sets us free from a life of love, joy and peace. This life quenches our inner thirst. It propels us forward with purpose and desire to please God. The sixth saying, it is finished. The actual word Jesus said was, to tell us die. It declared the price is paid in full. We needed the Redeemer, someone who could pay the price to set us free from sin. We were lost, we'd fallen into the hands of sin and Satan, and then Jesus came to pay the ransom price, to restore us to God and his kingdom. We read in Matthew 20, 28, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Redemption is costly, 
Jesus paid the, paid the highest price possible. But through his precious blood poured out for us, Jesus paid the price in full to redeem us from sin and the curse. He paid the penalty for our sin. He purchased our place in heaven. He paid for every blessing that we will have for eternity. And our enormous debt of sin is paid in full. Knowing we were unable to do it, Jesus stepped in and paid for it with his death. So the sixth salvation blessing from the cross is redemption. The cross was the focal point of his mission. Here he took on and dealt with the root problem of man, that being sin. And this saying was his declaration of success. I've done it. I've paid the price in full. It is finished. It's accomplished. You know, the cross looks like defeat, but it's a place of greatest victory. This saying, it's the announcement of the finished work of Christ. It's the cornerstone of our faith. And we rest in what is accomplished, knowing that the work is done. Forgiveness, healing, every blessing, the price is paid. We can't add to what Jesus has done to the cross. No earning our place in heaven. We can't do it by being good or by self-effort. The price is paid. We just need to receive it. And the seventh saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The seventh saying is Jesus entering into rest. Just as on the seventh day of creation, God rested. At the moment of death, we see Jesus in full control of the situation. He knew he'd completed his works and he yielded up his spirit and he died. Jesus had come on a mission from God and he carried it out to the end. And there's only one thing left to do now, to entrust himself and his cause to God. As the terror and uncertainty of death stared him in the face, Jesus committed himself to his Father. What an example. He showed us how to pray. When we've done everything that we can in this situation, when there's nothing more that we can do, when the way ahead we're not sure of, we should do what Jesus did. Pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And we do so knowing that God loves us, that he will see us through to the end. We can entrust our lives, ourselves, our future, our destiny into God's hands. And having done that, we commit it all to him and rest from our works. We can trust and cast ourselves upon the Father who cares for us. And we can depend that he will see us through. When we enter a difficult situation, if we enter dangers, unknowns, we can feel powerless, can't we? People feel powerless at the moment. But we trust ourselves to the all-powerful one. We go forward with confidence. Sure, he will bring us through. And there will be victory even when it appears to be defeat. Jesus' faith wasn't misplaced, was it? Because on the third day, God raised him from the dead. He didn't let him down and God won't let us down. If we put ourselves into his hands, he looks after what we have put in his care. So the seventh salvation blessing flowing from the cross is eternal security and rest in close union with the fellowship of God. Jesus was our representative on the cross, but we were crucified with him there. And so by these words, he entrusted all believers into the Father's hands. As he rose and entered into heaven, he took us with him into the Father's hands. 
On the cross, Jesus provided for our eternal security and fellowship, and no one can take that away. All who believe will be in the Father's hands. So, the seven signs of Jesus from the cross, every word cost him. Every word paid the price for us. We're just going to pause now before we go into communion as we listen to In Christ Alone. Please take this opportunity to think of the words that Jesus spoke and thank him for what he achieved through his obedience and his sacrifice. Thank you.